Let's go down memory lane of 2021, a year that was full of calm and peace and tranquility. Well, if you don't recall, at the beginning of this year that is about to close, we inaugurated a new president and vice president, like we're not, they're the leaders. But I don't know if you remember, you know, we know about the supply chain crisis right now in LA and Long Beach Harbor, but you already forget the other supply chain crisis that happened earlier this year in the Suez Canal? Yeah, that was 2021. Yeah, we, we really know about the... Uh, the disastrous pullout of, out of Afghanistan, but uh, do you remember the uh, GameStop short squeeze where a bunch of hedge fund gen- gentlemen lost a bunch of money? And did you remember that we actually had a Summer Olympics? I didn't watch a single thing. I kind of feel bad. I look forward to the Olympics. This year's have been, been a little bit chaotic, but let's look at, that's you know, national and geopolitical stuff. A little about Texas. Let's focus on the great and amazing state of Texas. Uh, remember the freeze at the beginning of this year? Y'all who were here, I wasn't, thankfully. Y'all who were here definitely remember intimately about how that, free, that freeze was for about, what, a month and a half and change? Seemed like for years, didn't it? Don't you remember that um, some of our politicians didn't want an uh, election bill passed, so they fled to D.C.? Remember that? They uh, left overnight, about six of them or more fled to the sanctuary of Washington, D.C. Do you remember that? There was a heartbeat bill that was passed, you know, saving countless lives, thankfully, of unborn lives. And did you know that because in this year that uh, Texas gained two congressional seats and is gaining more national influence here in the United States? Well, that's Texas. What about New Braunfels, the quiet small town in New Braunfels that is no longer quiet or small? Well, uh, this year, I would say New Braunfels is a, a, another year of things going, coming back to normal in a sense. We had another summer of floating down the river, well, let me clarify, of other people outside from New Braunfels floating down the river and us avoiding the river. We, we had another year where the county fair came back. We had another year where Worst Fest came back. We had another year that Wassel Fest came back. So it was another year to the things that, and here in New Braunfels, things that, like, hey, it's coming back to normal. But that's New Braunfels. That's about, that's about 100,000 people. But what about you? What are you here at Compass? Some of you have lost kids this year. Some of you gained some new grandkids this year. Some of you have lost spouses. Some of you have gained or know about friends who have gained spouses through marriage. Some of you became grandparents for the first time, and others have lost their grandparents. Some have lost their parents, and others have become parents for either the first or the ninth time, depending on which, how many children you have here in Texas. All that to say, for some, 2021 was really good. Some, it was just down the middle. Okay. And for others, it was a year that you really cannot wait to be over. Regardless, everyone in this room has a little bit of hope for 2022. Now, on one side of the aisle, you have everyone who's like hoping that 2022 is the exact opposite of 2021, and especially the opposite opposite of 2020. But some of you may be more skeptical or more jaded, and you're like, I have very little hope. I might have a little bit of hope, but very little hope that 2022 is going to be much better than 2021. Here's the thing, though. 
if we are not careful, 2022 is just going to be another year of a roller coaster, a roller coaster of emotion, a, mo- a roller coaster of a happiness or pain, and a roller coaster of disappointment. And that is because we, do, we placed the, our eggs, essentially, our metaphorical eggs, in the wrong basket. How do you look back on the past headlines, occurred events of our nation, our state, our city, and in your own lives? Do you look at headlines of things that had just happened? Because if you do, you're wrong. You need to look at the lens of Scripture. You need to look at the lens of how God views it because of how God views it is literally reality. We have to understand that Scripture reveals that God is in absolute control of all the things that has happened this year nationally, in the state, the city, and in your own personal lives. God is in complete sovereign control. And when we look at 2021 with, the lens, with that lens and with that lens of looking forward to 2022, this is the only way you will have a lasting, consistent hope for 2022 and years to come. We need to look back at our past rightly. And that's what David did in Psalm 34, as Pastor Hayden just read. So please grab your Bibles, open it up either on your phone, on your tablet, or paper. If you don't have one, look over to your neighbor and share it. Let's read God's Word together. Let's study God's Word together, because here is David looking back at a time in his life that we actually know about. If you're one of those people who allows yourself to write in their Bibles, which is great, I just can't do it. I just don't know why. I have to write in a journal. Jot down 1 Samuel 21, verses 10 to 15. 1 Samuel 21, verses 10 to 15. This, is Dave, this psalm is David looking back. Now, if you read Psalm 1 Samuel 21, you're going to look at a, 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 a time of David's life. You're going to go, how did he trust in the Lord? Because if I read this cor- correctly, this is what happened. You know, David was on the run from King Saul. Saul was trying to kill him, literally. David and his uh, best friend Jonathan, King Saul's son, made a, made a plot to figure out, does Saul really, really want to kill David? Well, they found out he really, really wants to kill David. So David, Jonathan's like, dude, David, you better run. So David's like, all right, see ya. So David runs. And at the first stop in, in the beginning of 1 Samuel 21, he stops by the priest of Ahimelech. He stops by and he, he lies to him. He needs, he needs food, so he lies to gain some holy bread. But he also gains Goliath's sword. Remember the sword that, you know, of, of Goliath, the one that David killed and actually cut off Goliath's head with that same sword. So David has a little bit of some ownership with that sword in a sense of like, okay, we can totally give this to David. I mean, he's the one that kind of wielded it and kind of cut off that you know, giant's head. But remember where Goliath was from? He was from uh, Philist- uh, Phil- Philistia. He was a Philistine. He was the champion of the Philistines. So we see in verse 10, David runs to Gath. Now, where is Gath? Gath is a funny word. Gath is the capital of the Philistines. Because David had nowhere else to run. All of Judea and Israel were a place where Saul was going to hunt him down. So he thought, I will run to my enemy to find deliverance. And when he went there, the king, King Achish, and if you read the subtext of Psalm 34 there, it says Abimelech. And you're like, well, that's a like a little contradiction. No, Abimelech is like the title Pharaoh. It means my father, my king. That's what the name means. So it means a king Achish. So Abimelech Achish. So Achish finds out David's coming. And he's like, wait, it's the same David who killed our champion Goliath. Yes. And David's bringing his sword to kind of rub it in our nose. Like, yeah. The same David who killed tens of thousands of Philistines uh, defending Israel. Yeah, that guy. He's coming to our land. 
what, what are we doing? We got to kill the guy. So David finds out and fears for his life, rightly so. But what does he do in 1 Samuel 21? He pretends to be crazy. He goes insane. He lets spit drop down, drip down his beard. And, and the king of Gath, Achish, is like, I don't need another insane person in my life. It's like some of you like, I don't need another crazy uncle, crazy cousin in my life. Like, I don't need it. Just no, Christmas is fine without this new person in my life. So here's Achish and Gath going, no, I don't need another crazy person here in the kingdom. So they, he kicks David out. So David realizing, oh, wow, that was a close one. But here's Psalm 34. Apparently some time has passed where David's now reflecting and thinking about his past and going, I may have thought I got out of the situation on my own wit and my own strength, but looking back, that is not true. In reality, God is the one that delivered me. It was because I decided to take refuge in him, he delivered me out of the situation here. And the point that I hope you see as Pastor Hayden read first, uh, Psalm, excuse me, Psalm 34, and as we study it here right now, is that in order for us to take on the new year 2022 rightly, we need to look back at how God good was to us individually and as a church. So what you need to do is you need to investigate your church's past here at Compass, investigate our past to see God's goodness so that we can move forward, but also investigate your own personal past and to see God's goodness throughout it so that you can find your future refuge and future satisfaction in Him alone. By doing this, this is how you can actually live out, finish 2021 rightly these last few days, and move on to 2022. This is the only way. And David realizes this in verse 8. So let's go study verse 8 together, word by word of Psalm 34. So verse 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, taste and see, this is not just for some fancy language. What David is calling us to do, you and I, is to investigate. Now, being originally from California, Pastor Hayden is originally from Texas. I'm from California. Therefore, we reach all people here in Texas because everyone's fleeing from California, and the Texans are like, we've been here all my life. Now, here in Texas, I've been asked a question that is, I feel like I've been put on the hot spot a little bit. Now, as a Californian, I really do enjoy In-N-Out. And once I, my wife and I found out there's an In-N-Out here in New Braunfels, we realized we can do this. We can move here. <laughs> but my past college experience living in New Mexico, I also taste the goodness of Whataburger and its delightfulness and its juicy burgers, particularly its chicken sandwich, but we'll, I digress. But here I get this like you know, eyeball to eyeball saying, hey, you have to choose right now. My friendship dictates this right now. Whataburger, In-N-Out. I'm like, I don't want to choose right now, okay? This is like hard. Like, which is better, In-N-Out or Whataburger? Okay, they're different? That's my answer. But you're telling me, you're from Texas saying, no, taste and see how good Whataburger is. You might feel bad a little bit a few hours later, but it is good. And then I'm going to say, no, you need to go to In-N-Out and get the double-double animal style, and you need to taste and see and investigate. And we're calling each other to investigate truths. And that's what David is calling you to do. God is calling you right now this morning to investigate God and taste that He is good. And the reason why is that is because blessed are the, is the man who takes refuge in him. Now, blessed, yes, the Old Testament is written, originally written in Hebrew. We, we find the same term blessed in English and in the, in the Greek New Testament. And so even though the word in Greek is hesed and in Hebrew it's different, they're essentially meaning the same thing. Blessed just means 
happy. You ever meet those people who, who are like, how are you doing today? How was Christmas? How was your New Year? Like, I'm just so blessed. Uh, don't they try to either they genuinely or they try to fake happiness coming from them? Like, I'm just feeling so blessed. I have so many grandchildren. I have so many kids. I have so wonderful house, wonderful husband. I'm just so blessed. We try to exude this feeling of happiness. And what David is saying, what God is saying is, happy is the one who finds refuge in him, God. Refuge in finding shelter. You Texans really know this very quite well during this freeze. You took shelter physically inside your home so you would not die of the 100-year random cold that comes here through Texas. And God is calling us to take refuge in him alone. And that's what David's trying to encourage us right now. He's saying, even though I may, in the moment I may have thought I was delivering myself, I look back and say, no, it's because I took refuge in God was I delivered. And it tasted good. It tasted good not just to live, but to live in God's security. So for point number one, write this down. Place your security in Christ alone. A way to figure out what you place your security in, or another way, to, another way to say it, where you find your deliverance is, what do you do when stress comes into your life? When a stressful situation at work, or within your family, or within your marriage, or for some of you who a lot of us are transplanted, a lot of us in the move, or visiting family. I mean, the holidays, you know, you're visiting, you're going to 10 different Thanksgivings, 10 different, you know, Christmases, driving all over the state of Texas to appease family. Like, what do you do in stressful situations? Because what you do immediately in that situation is where you find your deliverance. For me, I, I find my deliverance in milkshakes. If I get stressed, I'm like, I'm just going to go order a milkshake. You know, preferably Jack in the Box, cookies and cream milkshake, or, or Chick-fil-A's, you know, cookies and cream milkshake. I don't care. I mean, if I'm really, really stressed out, I go to Whataburger and I get an extra large milkshake, which is about the size of my torso. <laughs> but what do you do when you're stressed? Do you, like me, like turn to food and say, I just need to go to the pantry? Do you, like, I just need to go for a walk? I'm so angry right now. I just, wanna, I just need to go to the punching bag in the garage. I need to work out. I just need to go on a run. I need some time away. Or is it more serious? Do you verbally abuse or physically abuse someone else close to you, if it's your spouse or your kids or people around you? Do you try to push people away and cut them off? Give them a cold shoulder? Do you turn to alcohol or drugs to help you feel delivered from the situation that you're in? The bad news for all of that is that all of that will just temporarily numb the pain, but the reality, the problem is still there. This is why it's so important we need to place our security in Christ alone. The term refuge is used over 35 times in the Hebrew Old Testament. And vast majority of it is talking about, so you need to place your security in one thing. Vast majority of what God is saying to do is that when you say, find refuge in me, is finding refuge in one thing. We're going to talk about two things, but the first thing is this. You need to find refuge in God from God. You need to take refuge from, in God from God's wrath. As Pastor Hayden preached on Christmas Eve, and every sermon that we will preach from this pulpit and in life group and everything that we do here at Compass, is that we need to find a refuge in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Christ is the one that came down. God humbled himself as a child to grow up, to live a life that you and I cannot live, to live a righteous life so that his righteousness can one day be placed on ourselves. But he had to go further. He had to die in our place, a death that you and I deserve. 
Not just a physical death, but he incurred the wrath, entirety of wrath of God on his behalf, on our behalf, excuse me. He took the wrath of God on our behalf. Even though we deserve hell, we deserve to die, but yet Christ died in our place. And then he didn't stay dead, he actually rose from the dead. That's why Jesus is so significant. All the other prophets and famous people in the world will die and stay dead. Jesus is the one that, no, like three days later, I'm going to pop out of the grave, showing that I've defeated death. The payment of your sin is paid for, it's done, it's fulfilled entirely. We need to trust in that alone. And we do that by repenting, by turning ourselves holistically, not just our minds, our entire lives from the lives we once lived into a life submitted to him and trusting in his life, his death, and his resurrection to deliver us and to redeem us. And we have that as the focus, the centerpiece of your life. Nothing will be able to shake you. No matter if Texas has another freeze this coming February, no matter if the elections that you're hoping to happen in 2022 flip the other direction that you do not anticipate. If you lose a child, lose a spouse, lose a parent, it doesn't matter what it is because if you're rooted in Christ alone, your focus is this is not the life I'm living here always. The here and now is not it. It's the then and there that I'm supposed to look forward to. Because here's the point of the Bible. Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden for disobeying, Right? You know, that is why we are separate. Our sin is separated from God, first by our long-term parents of Adam and Eve, and even ourselves. We, we all sin. We all do that. We all lie. We all cheat. We all get angry, and you know, therefore, Jesus says we commit murder against one another. Okay, we're all condemned. Got it. But that's not the end of the story. That's why the whole Christmas season is so significant, because God in the beginning in Genesis 3 said, I, I have a plan. I'm going to defeat the serpent. I'm going to defeat death on your behalf. And as I cast out Adam and Eve, my goal is to bring them back. My goal is to bring you back as mankind back to me to a right relationship. And when you have that in mind, say the greatest thing I can own, or not greatest thing I can own, the greatest thing I can have is a relationship with God. Then anything that happens in this life will not shake your foundations. But with that foundation, you need to also have find Christ, sorry, find your place of security in Christ alone and also in your priorities. And first off, in your eternal salvation, and that will be the foundation for everything else in your priorities. Essentially, what do you spend your money on? What do you spend your time on, your energy on, and your thinking? What do you plan? It could be a, a business career. You're finding security in that. If I can just make enough money for this, I can retire this, and then I won't have to like, do this anymore, and I can find security in this. Or it can be marriage. Maybe some of you are single, des- you know, des- desperately desiring to be married, or some of you are married and have placed your security in the spouse, and it's going great and harmonious. Or maybe you are married and like, this is horrible. I want a harmonious relationship. If I could just have a good marriage, my life would be secure. Or maybe it's kids. I understand that a little bit more now having a 10-month-old baby, my firstborn. I'm like, I get parents a little bit more. The love that I have for this little boy is just something that I can never come up with. This is clearly from God that you parents understand. But the identity, this good thing of a kid can all of a sudden prioritize before God. Whereas God and his church needs the priority, all of a sudden our kids, our families, our spouses, our jobs and careers, our hobbies, our, our traveling desires are all on top of Christ, him, Christ alone. Because when we put our, our, our security, let's say in kids, 
Here's the sad part. Either they will die or you will die. They will die before you or you will die first. And then what about your spouse? Either your spouse will die or you will die before them. What about your job? Eventually your job will end. Either you'll be fired or you retire or you die. It's a very dreary sermon right now. I get it. But it's important for you to know that if you have your foundation in this, it's going to end. It might be good now. We may be looking at me going, I'm fine, dude. I'm going to tell you, guess what? You're not going to be fine eventually. Because if your security is not in Christ alone, especially for your salvation, you're going to stand before a very holy God. And he's going to pour out his wrath for what you and I have done, according to what you have done and what I have done. Our punishments will be different. But in Christ alone, we have freedom in there. And if, we have our, his, if he's the foundation of our, fa- of our marriage, that changes things, right? Because the point of a marriage is supposed to glorify God. So as a husband, husbands in the room, we have one job, to make our spouses more holy, to build them up to be more like Christ. Think of it this way. You, instead of investing in their retirement now, should be investing the first 10,000 years with in, in eternity. You're going to stand before God saying, here is your daughter. This is what I've done. Are you ready to stand before God right now in your marriage, men? What is flipping? Women, your job, your sole job, your wives, is to make your spouse more holy. And God has given us a design. Men lead, the wife's the helper, and this harmonious relationship as Christ is in center. Can you stand before God saying, you gave me your son, and this is how I've made him more holy. This is how I've helped him, representing the Holy Spirit, essentially. Can we stand before God that way? The point of raising kids is to make them holy. They are born into sin. We need to preach the gospel to them. We need to raise them up to be followers of Christ. But sometimes we pour more into finding where they're going to go to college and a career, which are good things. But we pour so much into that, forgetting the eternal salvation and sanctification, and wonder why, decades later, they no longer walk in the faith. Can we as parents stand before God this way? And our friendships, everyone in this room, your friendship, the point of your friendship that you have with the people around you is to make them more holy. But this only comes with a perspective to say, I'm putting my security in Christ alone, not in the friendship alone, but Christ alone to build up my friendships, and Christ alone to build up my children, Christ alone to build up my marriage, and Christ alone to build my business so people can see God's glory rather than my retirement fund and how much money I can make. This is what David is calling us to do. And David would tell you this, as he has suffered countless times, and say, this is the only way that you, if you have this perspective of Christ alone, and your security is in him, this is how you can suffer. Because Christ promises this. As Christians, we will suffer. Either persecution or just life. Even though, yes, I left California and it's dark and dreary and depressing out there and come to Texas and it seems like people are more nice and happy, we still live in the same fallen world. People still get hurt around us. People still die around us. And only if we're anchored in Christ alone can we suffer well. I want you to write down 1 Corinthians 10.13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape. We love that verse, thinking about the next temptation, the next trial and suffering we're going through. So, you know, I can focus on God, focus on God. But the unfortunate part is 
we think the escape means, it's like you know, Star Trek, you know, Scotty beaming us out of the sky into the Star Trek Enterprise. We're sailing in the ocean. We see these giant waves come and we're like, nope, God, please deliver me. I trust in you. Uh, here's a temptation. Get me out of here. We're hoping that you know, Scotty beams us up out of the situation. We're done. And God says, no. You got to read the next few words of this verse. That you may be able to endure it. We will all suffer at some point in our lives. My goal is to raise up my little boy to become a young man that follows God. But if God decides to take him before that, so either I can send him off this, this generation or he calls him up before I die, am I ready to suffer knowing that God will be able to help me endure it? Because that is the only way I can do this. Because God says, I'm not going to zap you out of the sky. I will help you navigate. I'll give you the wisdom, the insight, the ability and skill and strength to navigate the storm. So will you trust me as I tell you which wave to take on, how to turn your ship in this moment in life? Because, this, because if you have Christ as your security alone, you can do this. But if you do not, you will sink. Now, in 20, you have to look back before we enter 2022. Look back into your life in 2021 and ask yourself, did we, one, do this as a church? And two, do I place my security in Christ alone, first for my salvation and everything else in my life? If not, resolve. And if you do, resolve for more to, in 2022 to place your security in Christ alone. As David did, Compass, I just plead with you, taste and see for yourself that God is good in the security that he provides. But David took refuge in God because he had a right perspective about God. Go back to verse number 9 of Psalm 34. It says this, O oh, fear the Lord. I thought love casts out fear. Well, it does, but there's a different type of fear that we need to have. We need to be afraid of God. We do need to fear God. We do need to feel this dreadedness in the sense of the presence of God. We need to have this, we need to look at God as this awesome. We need to reveal him, to, to revere him, excuse me, to respect him. He, David is calling us to do this. You, his saints, you people who have been consecrated, singled out for God. For what reason, for what benefit is it for us to fear him? Why? Continue on verse 9. For those who fear him have no lack. Essentially, there's a non-existence of poverty. There's a nothing of scarcity in the life of the person, of the Christian, who fears God. David had a high respect and awe of God. And he began to see that. He began to see he didn't have lack. Looking back in the situation with Achish, he's like, yeah, I don't have lack. I'm not dead. I'm still alive. Even though, yeah, I'm wandering around the desert, I'm around a bunch of you know, dudes around me, 400 guys that I normally would not hang out with, they're kind of the ruffians of society. Even though I'm supposed to be the king, but I'm not the king yet, and actually the king now is trying to kill me, I have no lack. Even though I'm in the hot deserts of Israel, the wilderness of Judea, I have no lack. David feared God and saw that it tasted good. So for point number two, we need to do the same. We need to, for point number two, have a high view of Christ. This is one of our eight distinctives here at Compass to maintain a high view of, of God. But I want to make sure that we maintain a high view of Christ. So here's, here's the issue. I was talking to my wife about this earlier, a couple days ago, trying to flesh out what this means in Scripture, how to have a high view of Christ, how to fear God, but also the truths of the totality of Scripture. 
Because many of you have compass. If I say, you know, Jesus is the conquering king, he's been riding on the horse, he's been conquering, he's been conquering evil, his robes, his white robes are gonna be steeped in blood from all the enemies he's gonna crush in his second coming, we're gonna say, Amen. That is a high view of Christ, and that's a true picture of Christ. But yet we see another picture of Christ depicted of him that is, he is gentle, he is kind, he's the one that's telling, hey, do not hinder the kids from coming from me, let them come to me, let all who come to me. Those who are poor in spirit, those who are heavy laden, I will give them rest. So there is this gentle and softer type of Jesus, but the problem is, how do we match, how do we marry the two? Because the two, both two are true. And I think the problem is, is that we've been in cultural Christianity for too long. Not just in Texas, we see this in California as well. I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Big Hero 6, but there's a character in there that's a big fluffy white machine that like, if you're hurt, he just gives you like a nice gentle hug. Kind of walks, he's very just nice, and he's like, here, let me give you a hug, you're feeling hurt. I feel like that's the Jesus we've been presented, about this is the soft Jesus, he just wants to give you a hug. I'm like, that's not the full picture. But let's use the Bible to help us figure this out. Let's use the prodigal son. When after he sinned, he hurt his father, he came back home humble ready to serve his father, and his father embraced him. Here's a son who had a high view of his dad, but he did not know that the dad is ready to show mercy. I want you to take a step back in time with me. If you have parents, if you have kids right now, young kids especially, you might get this a little easier right now, but I want all of us to step back in time. Remember when you were once a young child, maybe five, six, seven years old, you probably revered your mom and dad at one point. You knew that if you just lived in the system that your parents set up, if you obeyed them, if you did your chores, things would be well, right? But there's times where you rebelled against your parents. You know that when you sin against them, that relationship of being able to live in a harmonious relationship is now broken, and they have a choice to make. You fear your parents because they're the one that has the authority to punish and discipline. But you turn to your parents because you hope that they'll show mercy and grace. So as a child, maybe one day you in your tears finally confess the sin that you've done against your parents or against your sister. You're bawling your eyes out. You're feeling the remorse and you're running at your mom or dad and you lunge at them with your open arms hoping that they would catch you, that they would show forgiveness and grace, that they would embrace you once again. That is what fear in the Lord is. Saying, you have the authority to destroy me, the authority to kill me, the authority to cast me in hell. And again, I don't want to reiterate because there's new people here. Satan is not in charge of hell. God is. God sends Satan to hell. Satan doesn't go there by his free willy-nilly. God is in charge of hell. He has the authority to be in charge of hell. But it's also God that says, if you are just confess your sins. I am faithful and just to forgive. I want to show mercy. I am a just God. I will take care of sin, but I've taken care of it on Jesus, so on my son. So please let me show mercy to you. So we, like David, and like as Christians, when we repented, we fling ourselves to Jesus with open arms, knowing, not just hoping, knowing he will embrace us because he, he, we know that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And in that moment, you'll understand three things you'll never lack when you have a high view of Christ, when you have an intimate relationship with a conquering king that you can also call Abba, Father. Three things you'll never lack is God, first off, is God himself. 
we, you and I, we need to have God to be our greatest treasure. If we treasure something else, look at, our, look at how you spend your money and your time and your energy. If it's not lined up to God and his will to build up his church, to make disciples, to reach the lost, to, to serve one another, if it's not matching that, you're not really in God's will. You need to prize God himself more. You'll, if, you do, if you have this high view of God, you'll never lack God. That's what he promises. Psalm 23, you're going to be going through that in your application questions this week. Read that, meditate on that, study that. You won't lack God. So here's my challenge to you, especially as the new daily Bible reading year is coming. Daily commune with God. Daily, don't miss a day. Get something in. Intake his word, not just read it, intake it. Study it, meditate on it, apply it. Intake his word and and pray every day. There's a God who wants to have a relationship with you and he's given you instructions to do it. First, you need to repent and trust in Christ and then submit to him. And you'll never lack him. And two more things you'll never lack is, one, his goodness. We see that in Romans 8.28 and Romans 8.32. God sent his own son to die for us. Why would he not give us the things that we need or even good things? the good things that he loves to give. And the second thing is provision. You'll never lack provision. There's three texts I want you to write down and read this week. There's a lot of homework. You don't have life groups. So you have time. Luke 12, 22 to 34. Luke 12, 22 to 34. The next one is very similar to it, is Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. So Luke 12, 22 to 34. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. And then last but not least, Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Essentially, the, the point is this. If we have a high view of Christ, we see him properly, knowing that he's gonna, we have access to him, that he's going to provide for us, and we'll never lack anything. God has promised that the righteous will never starve. Now, Pastor Hayden gave an illustration where he literally ate a can of expired beans. But guess what? He didn't starve. He still had food. You may live in a tiny apartment, not in a Texas luxurious home right now, but you have shelter. For those, and this is what the promises in Luke 12 and Matthew 6 talk about. If you just seek first the kingdom of God, you won't lack anything. God's challenge to us is that don't, actually not challenge, command, don't be anxious. Don't be worried about what's, what potentially might happen. Instead, know the truth. If you seek first my kingdom by making disciples, evangelizing to the lost, sharing the good news of Christ, building up God's church, attending and connecting and serving here at Compass, loving one another with genuine love, abhorring what is evil, living out the Christian walk. He said, if you seek my first my kingdom, you won't lack. It might, not be, it might not be what you want, but you'll never lack. I'll always provide until you, the day that you die and I call you into my presence. But instead, what we need to do, instead of being worried about the potentials and the, the potential future, is this, in verse Philippians 4, Philippians 4, 8. We know verses 6 and 7, do not be anxious, but everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, give your you know, requests, give your requests to God. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But we skip verse 8, we forget verse 8. How do we make sure we stay here? Well, it's finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just and pure and lovely and commendable, 
if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The problem that you may be having if you're so anxious right now, not having a high view of Christ, is you're not thinking rightly. I'm not talking the, the physical, you know, physical, physical nature of our brain. I'm talking about the, what are you focusing on? Are you focusing on what is true, the gospel, the future hope of Christ's second return, or are you not? Are you thinking of whatever is honorable and commendable and good, or are you not? And look back in 2020, 2021, excuse me, and ask yourself, did I have a high view of God? Was I thinking about the right things? And if not, or if so, make sure in 2022 that you are resolved to focus on what is true and right and commendable and good and excellent and honorable so that in 2022 you can live in stronger faith in Christ. You can move forward. And if we do, if we, have a, if we have find a security in Christ alone and maintain a high, a high view of Christ, this church right here, if we all did it together, think about what this church can do. We can move forward in 2022 stronger than ever before. As a church, we can focus on the mission. Instead of our lives and ourselves and just looking down at our feet and saying, how can I make it this next week or next month or how can I just finish the year? Instead, we can look up and say, there's about 100,000 people in New Braunfels and counting that do not know Jesus. There's thousands of people that don't know Jesus, excuse me. They need to be saved. How can we reach them? There's people, there's over, you know, about 200 of you each weekend that need to be taught how to be like Christ. There's people in life group, there's, there's kids and students who need to be trained how to serve Christ or one another. We need to be trained how to serve Christ. If we were to focus, imagine, imagine how many people would be right with God. Imagine how many people would be saved. Imagine the revival that can be here in the hill country of Texas of people instead of living a nominal faith that they inherited from their grandparents and living out a genuine faith from Christ, repenting and trusting in Christ. Imagine that happening here. We first have to find our security in Christ and maintain a high view of Christ and do the final thing that David does in verse 10. But before we move on, Compass, taste and see for yourself that God is good in the provision that he provides. Verse 10, David understands his relationship with God and that's why he's able to seek after him as he does in verse 10. He throws out a challenge first. He says, the young lions... You know, young lions, they're, they're, they're strong. They're known for their fierceness. They're the ones that are hunting down the prey. But David says, know what these young lions are? The people who are like, I, I'm the CEO. I can make a lot of money right now. I have Bitcoin. You have no idea. I have a strong marriage. I have like 19 kids right now. You have no idea. I have all this strength and muscle in my life. And he says, guess what? You suffer want and hunger. David is describing like an animal, like those hungry dogs. They might be young, but they don't eat, they starve, and their rib cages begin to pop out because they're so frail. He's saying that these young lions have become thin and weak. They suffer famine, they starve, they, they want food, especially when they're experiencing those hunger pains. He says, but those who seek the Lord, as Pastor Hayden preached on this Christmas Eve, those who seek the Lord with care and a genuineness, who want to investigate so they can worship God, not for their own sake, to grow in the intellectual or to say, I just want to know what's happening. I want to know who God is and I want to genuinely worship him. They will lack no good thing. Those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. David realized in his, you know, in his time in 1 Samuel 21 when he pretended to be insane and fled from King Achish of Gath, 
He realizes now that it was not his strength or his wit that saved him, but only him seeking God for deliverance. David sought God and obeyed his directives and saw that it tasted good. Point number three for us is that obey Christ's instructions. Obey Christ's instructions. Because when we actually obey the instructions of things, things tend to be a lot smoother. Especially when you know, we get this new piece of furniture or this whatever thing that acquires directions for assembly. If we just follow the directions, it might take a little longer, but it'll be smooth. There's a social media account that I really love to enjoy watching because it's funny. But it's a guy who's in his 30s, like I am, and he, he, his tagline is, of things I wish I knew before I was 30. For example, the difference between a cup plunger and a flange plunger. You're like, what's that? The cup plunger is the one that's flat. That is meant for your sink, not your toilet. A flange plunger has one that kind of dives deep into the toilet. That is for your toilet. So I need to go to Home Depot after service today and buy a new plunger. <laughs> Travel pillows. They're supposed to be worn on the front. It's a way more comfortable, by the way. How to dry your shoes in the dryer. Well, instead of having them be in there and tumble and tumble and tumble and tumble, like have this dryer shake, all you do is tie them together, you hang them, and you close the door and let them hang in the dryer, and they just sit there and dry. No tumbling. Also, that the fact that uh, there's a filter in our dishwashers that we need to clean out every so often, and I immediately just did that as soon as I watched the video. Or actually how to hold scissors. So I thought I'd just put my, you know, my index finger on my thumb. That is wrong. You actually take your index finger out, you hunt it underneath the blade, and use these three th- fingers, preferably the ring finger, to cut the scissors. And guess what? It's a lot more control. It's a lot better to cut scissors that way, because that's apparently how they're designed. A can opener. You're not supposed to hold it vertical. You're supposed to hold it flat. So when you open it, the lid pulls up nat- naturally. Finally, you'll thank me at your next wedding or 4th of July. When you're lighting a sparkler, you're supposed to light the sparkler from the bottom, not the top, so the flame goes away from you, not at you. See, if you just followed instructions, if you just took time to read the box, read the tag, and follow a little bit of instructions, our lives would be a whole lot easier. That's why it's so important that we need to dive into God's Word. We can't assume we know how to live the Christian life just because we come to church, just because you may have showed to life group every once in a while, or because maybe you have some knowledge of the Bible. No, you, need, you and I need to dive into God's Word daily and fellowship with God's people often as we can so that we can actually obey His instructions. Because when we, when we do, it tastes so good. There's three things that will happen if, we, if you and I Instead of being young lions, that you know, God promised young lions that they will grow weary and faint, that a king is not saved by an army of young lions, that eventually all these young lions will, will die, and God is actually the one that feeds the lions. But instead, if we follow his design, three things will happen. First is, his des- it will be harmony, excuse me. First will be harmony. God's design brings harmony. There's two passages I want you to write under um, harmony. One is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Acts 2, 42 to 47. This is a church in harmony, living out what we're supposed to be doing. Having our love be genuine, giving each other what we need, gathering together, studying God's word, sitting under the apostles' teaching, under the church's leaders' teaching. And the church multiplied and grew. The other passage I want you to write down is James 4, 1 through 4. 
James 4, 1 through 4. This may answer some questions for you if you're having fighting within your family or relationships, extended family, or within your own life. James 4 says, what, quarrels, well, what causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Why? Because you want friendship with the world. Don't you know that friendship with the world is at enmity with God? You have to ask yourself in 2021, look back in your own life and say, was I more of an Acts 2 Christian or more of a James 4 person? And in 2022, resolve to be an Acts 2 Christian, genuinely living out the Christian life. The second thing that following God's design does is that it brings flourishing. Two more passages I want you to write under flourishing. First is Acts 9.31. This church walked in the fear of the Lord, walked in it, and walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And this is what does one church, it was churches all over Judea and Galilee and Samaria. And guess what they did? They, had, they were building each other up and they had peace. And they had peace and they were multiplying. When we follow God's design for his church, we have the elders and pastors, we have ministry leaders here, we have team leads, we have a structure. If you just follow the structure instead of saying, I want to create my own thing over here in this ministry and that ministry and that ministry, say, no, here are the ministries that we have, where will you want to serve? This will bring harmony. This will bring flourishing. What about marriage? If if you got married for yourself or want marriage for yourself, it's going to be hard. But if you do it under God's design as you know, a husband leading sacrificially, guess what? As Ephesians 5 says, as Christ sacrificed himself, men. And also for women, as they submit to their husbands to be the helper to be a flourishing marriage. And as parents and kids, all of the above, jobs, works, throw anything under, under there. If you follow God's design for it, you will flourish. Now, it doesn't mean you'll get the big mansion on the ocean, but you say your life will flourish. Your life will have harmony. But the second passage I want you to write down is 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 9. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 9. This is a church that Paul is writing to that is divided. You say, you guys are so divided. You're talking about, I follow Apollos, I follow Paul, I follow Peter, I do this. He's like, all three of us should tell the same thing. Follow Christ. You should be beyond the basic of repentance and faith equals salvation right now. You should be learning more about the mysteries of God. Not a Gnostic knowledge, but like just learn about theology and live it out and tell people. But you're stuck over here because you're so divided, wanting your own desires over God. So the question you need to ask yourself in 2021, were you a Acts 9 Christian or a 1 Corinthians 3 person? You have to ask yourself, did I bring flourishing to this church or did I hinder its flourishing? I know some of you may have left churches that were not harmonious, and you're here here at a church plant hoping that this church would be harmonious, but if you bring your desires as the priority and not follow the design that God has, you're going to bring your unsatisfaction here to compass. We have to make sure that in 2022, we resolved to follow God's design because the third thing is that God's design brings satisfaction. You can write down Proverbs 3.25. The righteous has enough to satisfy, satisfy his appetite, but the belly of the wicked suffers want. Solomon elaborates on that concept in Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 11. Essentially that he who loves money will never be satisfied with money. And as goods increase, so do the desires of those goods increase, and so does the hunger. So as no matter how much money you make, your, your appetite's going to get bigger, and you're going to want more and more and more. 
So if you want things here on this earth, your security is found in your, in your family, your, your spouse, your kids, your home, your money. He's like, no matter how much you have, you're never going to be satisfied. But if you have security in Christ alone, you'll never suffer want. The implications of this is that this church here at Compass will be the place, if we follow these directives, if we just obeyed Christ's instructions, his design, this will be a place that people want to be at. This is the place where people want to show up. I kind of feel bad for those poor kids at the, the jujitsu facility because when they get into the new building, they're going to be very disappointed because right now they're having the time of their lives. They have a giant room dedicated for, you know, grappling and wrestling. They have pads on the walls, pads on the floor, and they're like, we can do whatever we want. We can slam our body against the wall, and we'll never get hurt. It's a childhood dream over there. And many of the parents have told me, they're like, hey, my son told me, like, hey, can we go to church today? They're like, it's Monday. <laughs> no. Hey, can we go to church? It's Tuesday. Why do you want to go to church so bad? Because oh, I want to go to the jiu-jitsu you know, facility. Now, they have a desire that is, is faulty, but it's the right you know, idea for us. If we would just submit to God's design and live it out, it would be so good. It would taste so delicious. It would be so flourishing and so harmonious that everyone here will want not only to be a part of it, but to bring others into it. And people on the outside would go, what is with you people? Your life has ups and downs. You lost people, you've gained people. The elections went your way, the elections didn't go your way. How are you so stable and at peace? How are you so happy? And you can go, you can share the hope that is in you. Say, hey, my foundation is in Christ alone. Do you want to know about him? Compass, taste and see for yourself that God is good when we obey him and follow his design. I want to take the next time to help you do that. We're going to investigate this church's history for the next few minutes. But I want you to do it not so that we can be puffed up and say, here are these cool numbers. No, no, no. The point is for you and I to see that God has been good. Here in 2021, God has been good. Let us see his goodness. Let us taste and see how good he is. So when we look forward in 2022, we can approach 2022 rightly. So let me tell you a little bit about how God was good here at Compass. Well, Compass here in the Hill Country began, yes, at the foundation of Ascending Church, but in reality, when Pastor Hayden, our lead pastor, was hired. I still remember sitting in the audience like yourself, looking up at the stage and seeing, you know, Pastor Hayden walk on stage and the Ascending pastor saying, we hired this man to plant a church. Imagine that. See how good God was to provide for you a lead pastor? And not only that, they decided, hey, we're going to plant in the hill country of Texas. You know that Pastor Hayden was originally supposed to be planted in San Diego or L.A.? But look how good God is. And his providence to say, no, not there. We're going to send you to the hill country of Texas because people need a church out there that's going to build them up and to reach the lost that are pouring into the hill country. Don't you see how good God is? And then Pastor Hayden and his wife Kayla started recruiting people. He first did at the, the first launch meeting in December of, I think it was 2020 actually, where he cast the vision as he began to recruit people, like many people in the room, like this, this team right here, many people in this room right here who are from California, they left, they sold their homes, they left their jobs, or were able to get that online to leave California, everything that they knew, to come here to Texas to plant this church. Don't you see how good God is 
It is my pleasure to be a part of this original launch team. But isn't it good that God provided elders at the sending church that trained up your pastors to test your pastors, to make sure that your pastors were ready to launch this church? Isn't God good that this isn't some cool person's idea? Instead, this is done biblically by elders of another church sending off two elders to come plant this church. But God is good furthermore. We started to do, before we moved out here, we started to do vision meetings where many of you in this room first heard about Compass and say, you know what, I want to see this and I want to be a part of this. For some of you, this is going to be like, where's Waldo? Because you're invited to see, some of you are like, oh, there's me. Oh, there's me. Oh, that's where I joined. Because isn't God good for providing these vision meetings because the church grew for people who are here in Texas saying, I want to be part of this church. And God grew that so much that we needed to do an exploring Compass before the vision meetings saying, if you want to really, really know about us, here's all the details. We're not going to hide anything. And here are more people saying, I want to be part of this church. I want to be part of this church. Not from California, but here in New Braunfels saying, I want to be part of this thing. Isn't God good? Before Pastor Hayden and I moved out here, we, we, there's a bunch of y'all that were out here saying, we still we want to do a life group. Like we, 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 I know we're not here, but we still want to be fed by, your, by the word. So what can we do? Well, we started a life group. The first life group that met at the, our, one of the family's homes, the doer's home. For months, it felt like years, but for months they met waiting and anticipating for the, the launch team to come. Isn't God good for providing this life group? But finally, we moved. We all came together, and the families that, from Texas who have committed to Compass, and the families from California who, who were from, from California who committed to Compass, we finally met on Memorial Day. We had a barbecue, and we hung out, and we got to finally meet people that we've heard about, people that we've been praying for, and we finally got to meet. And essentially, the family of Compass began here in Pastor Hayden's home. Isn't God good? Well, we knew that we needed to start gathering together and preach God's word, so we decided to do it on Sunday nights at the World Indigenous Missions Building, a tiny little room where we were squeezed in like sardines, and it was really warm. We were begging for fans, and we brought some. But there were about 70 to 80 adults packed in there, and upstairs we had about 20 kids in two rooms where God grew his church. And many of you joined the church here at the Sunday evening Bible studies. Can't you see that God is good? Well, God kept growing. We planned a 4th of July pre-launch service where even more of you, more families, joined because of the pre-launch service. More and more families joined. Can't you see that God is good? Pastor Hayden and I came up with a crazy idea to pull off four kids' camps in the summer, and so we did. We did a science camp and an art camp and a soccer camp. And of course, we ended with Camp Compass. Where even more families sent their kids and more families joined Compass because of these kids' camps. Can't you see that God is good? And not only that, the people who have been a part, who have been doing life together and serving together, we were serving all summer together. And it became this kind of, kind, of, kind of California group and Texas group, but it didn't look like that anymore. We couldn't tell who was who. It was no longer California. It was no longer Texas. It was Compass. We were a family serving 
together at these camps, serving all summer long. And we became a family. Can't you see that God is good? Normally, a church plant stops at kids' ministry, but because we had so many students kind of coming in, we started to do summer hangouts in the summer. We left California with about eight students, sixth sixth grade to 12th graders, and we had more students join with the families who have committed. So we didn't say, we need to do something for the students, and we did, and it grew. And can't you see that God is good? But of course, on September 12th in 2021, just under 20, 20 weeks ago, Compass Bible Church was launched. I have to come clean. This is not a photo from the launch. This is the pre-launch before the launch. But the point is this. Isn't, good, isn't God good for helping this church launch? And ever since this launch, God's goodness has been even more evident. It's turned from one life group meeting in a home to having nine life groups meeting all over the city. And we're about to launch another one. So we're going to have 10 life groups in 2022, and we're hoping for more. Can't you see that God is good? Exploring Compass used to happen before the vision meetings. Now it happens in Pastor Hayden and Kayla's home where people have come in. And did you know that over 120 people since September excuse me, since July, have gone through a three-week course about who who Compass Bible Church is. Can't you see that God is good? Partners is our in-depth, intensive, one-on-one discipleship program here at Compass. It's a 10-chapter that will probably take 14 to 15 weeks on a good session to get through an intensive, Bible-heavy, heavy theological, in-depth, one-on-one discipleship. And yet, since September, 13 people have graduated, including a high school student. And we have 32 more people in partners right now ready to graduate. Can't you see that God is good? And I know many of you are on the wait list begging and waiting to be going through partners. Guess what? God is good. Those people are going to graduate and take you through partners. And when you graduate, you take more people through partners and more people are reached for Christ. More people are made of disciples. Can't you see that God is good? This is what our kids' ministry began to look like, and this is what it is right now at Adventure Club on Wednesday nights. There are almost 40 kids come here on a week, weekly basis learning systematic theology. Can you see that God is good? Our student ministry began you know, meeting at Atlanta Park and different homes, but here it is now on Wednesday nights. 45 students from 15 to 45 students now are part of a fully-fledged student ministry for a church that's less than 20 weeks old. On a week, weekly basis, the students meet, 6th graders to 12th graders, study God's word together in life groups. Can't you see that God is good? And we came up with the crazy idea to pull off some women's ministry now. We had a couple of events where over 60 women attended at each event. And we had a men's event in 2021 where over 50 men for a brand new church plant. Can't you see that God is good? But one of the things that pleased me most is that we had such a committed serve team this year. And and since September, over 120 of you served here at Compass in some capacity, and we celebrated it just a week ago. Can't you see that God is good? My favorite stat is that we have over 10 people ready to be baptized when we get into this building. God is saving souls. Can you see that God has been good to us? So when we look forward to our future building in 2022, 
Look back in 2021. See how good God has been to Compass Bible Church and see how God has been good to you. So in 2022, when you enter this new year, you do it right. When we enter this building, you think you're busy now. This is like high octane right here. Once we're in this thing, it's going to get crazy, but it's going to be good. I know the setup and teardown team are very excited because they never have to do this again. But I need you to see that God is good. Taste and see Compass so that you can find your future refuge and future satisfaction in Christ alone. And if you do this, you will do 2022 and beyond right. But you have to taste and see that God is good. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you know that this was a longer sermon but it's only because, God, we just wanted to reflect and see how good you are so that, Lord, we can be faithful. And just because we, we can be faithful, because we can see that you have been faithful our entire lives. So, God, help us to worship you now in song with a little bit more vigor today. Let us do it with a little more strength and a little bit more excitement that no matter what we're going through, no matter how much suffering that we have in our lives, that we know that you are good and that we can turn to you because you have redeemed us through your Son, Jesus Christ. God, help us today to worship you. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen.